0: Hello everyone, I'm Roy Mature, an author and podcaster, and you're listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek, science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast. This is episode 525, Date on Wednesday the 21st of February 2024 at 22.57.20. Oh, wow. Okay, back again in front of the mic. I have changed mic tonight. I am, again, using my Shure SM58 just for the sheer hell of it. Actually, the reason is I want to see how easy it is compared to my SM7B to do some post-processing. I suspect... It might be easier, we'll see. There is some traffic noise outside. Hopefully it won't interrupt us too much, but I do know that last time I had to do a bit of editing to remove it. It's not unusual. And it is not unique to me using the 7B or the 58, or the 80, r or any mic at all. There's just traffic noise. Condenser, dynamic with traffic noise. Not that I'm being grumpy or anything, you understand? Pre-show. Let us address my multiversal malaise. Herr Figor Gestalt and I have piloted the Vimana to my Tower of Wizardry for a pit stop. Probably needs a little maintenance. <laughs> Actually, so do we after our adventures through the multiverse, and I'm also back here to talk geek life instead of focusing on my aforesaid multiversal malaise. I have to add here that I don't have any intention of making this a mental health blog or podcast. It's been rough lately though, that is true to say. Why do I keep on calling it multiversal malaise? If you've listened to me for some time, you'll understand exactly. But for those of you who are new, why am I saying that after so long? It is my drammed-up gothy code for bargain buckets of anxiety, depression, insomnia, exhaustion, headaches, OCD, Tourette's, etc. And you can add some... ...physical issues into there as well... ...which we're not going to talk about... ...and in roughly that order of awfulness. And so... ...given how blue... ...I've been feeling lately... ...and how many times... ...I'm going to say... ...Moon... ...tonight... (laughs) ...I've titled this episode... ...Blue Moon. And... ...in honour of dramming things up... Oh, for a shares long and a bit of a sit down, and some tea and Garibaldis too, that would be nice. I don't think tea and Garibaldis are that goth. Oh, and by the way, one thing of a positive nature that I can impart to you right now is regarding the insomnia. Yes, I was up for almost three days, it drove me crazy, literally, but... Last night, as you're going to hear, I did something social and yesterday, in any case, was really physical. I had to walk uh, two different places. At the end of the day, I did about 11 kilometers. And so, I did manage to go to sleep. And man, if you know anything about insomnia, what happens is, when you start sleeping, after an extended bout of insomnia... The type of sleep that you have, well, it's a normal type of sleep, but you catch up on dreaming. I don't know all the science behind this. I did look into this years ago, but it's uh, flittered from my brain. You dream a lot. That's what I'm getting at. You dream a hell of a lot. And I've been (laughs) in a constant state of color vision dreaming for hours and hours today. In fact, most of today I slept. I had things that I could have done today, but they can wait. All I really needed to do was do this podcast. It was supposed to happen yesterday, but I got home around this time. Actually, a bit earlier. I got home a bit earlier. I took a cab, and there was no way I was in any fit state to do anything at all, apart from go to bed and have some sleep, and I did. Ah, actually, things are looking up, aren't they? And there's traffic. By the way, I don't know how I'm going to handle this episode. It is one of my original episodes, so it's a mishmash of everything of interest to geeks. Mainly media, but other stuff as well. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. I've put this in some semblance of an order that I think you'd like to listen to. But it is a lot of stuff. I'm going to be talking about films and TV, but also about other bits of my life that you might find interesting. With that disclaimer, let's do it then. First of all, I wanted to talk about Rebel Moon, which I have finally seen. It wasn't something that I was particularly looking forward to. It didn't look amazing ...in the trailers, and I knew a little of the backstory, which didn't help. So, I ended up watching this. I can't remember when I watched this, but it was quite recently. Days, probably. Maybe a week? I don't know. Time has a strange meaning at Castle Royenstein. Or no meaning at all. As poor Figor will attest. He came here as a young man... He is now grey-haired, and it's only been a few months. Maybe that's just me. (laughs) Maybe I'm the cause of that. Yeah, I wasn't sure about getting into Zack Snyder's film, but for lack of anything else to do, I did. In Rebel Moon, then, Sophia Boutella finally has a proper shot at debuting as the action star, the main star of Zack Snyder's 2023 reworked, rejected Star Wars script. Rebel Moon is part one of a trilogy. This episode of the trilogy is called A Child of Fire. Uh, doesn't that sound familiar, is that- Something to do with the Hunger Games, That sounds very familiar. In this story, we follow the path of the adopted daughter of an evil emperor, rebelling against his empire, after the village that sheltered her is invaded by one of his brutal, maniacal admirals. Sorry, my voice is going there a bit. This is our universe in the far future, The evil emperor is the evil emperor of Earth. So we are tied to at least a little of reality. Not quite Star Wars. At the same time, as you're about to hear, it is very, very Star Wars. And other things. So that's the basic setup. This rebellious daughter of the Empire... Decides to help her village by assembling a group of mercenaries. Yes, this is absolutely the Magnificent Seven in space. In the same way that Battle Beyond the Stars was as well. Although, (laughs) without the delightful camp of Battle Beyond the Stars. I mean, there are moments like the Admirals... Um, strange toy-slash-tentacular girlfriend. (laughs) And all this universe, this world-building, or the look of it, anyway, is very reminiscent of a Warhammer-style Nazi chic, at least from the bad guys. There's also a good droid who has a bit of a role, but we <laughs> don't have much of a role for him in this. I'm assuming because this is a trilogy. There is a scene cloned right from Moss Eisley's Cantina. It is Moss Eisley's Cantina. DJ Don't Join from The Last Jedi is an important character in this. Of course, it's not called DJ, it's called something else. And there's a female Jedi in all but name, so your guess is as good as mine in how much did it really depart from Star Wars. Well, not really much. The combat scenes featuring a variety of brutal bludgeons, blades, and blasters is absurdly bloodless. Oh, I love alliteration. To attain... Again, one supposes, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing, pretty positively guessing, I'm sure I'm right in this, that was done to get a PG-13 certification. It is a bit stupid. Rebel Moon had possibilities, but really, they should have gone for an R rating, they should have done some more rewriting. After it was rejected as a Star Wars script. On the whole, though, sadly, Sofia Boutella's action headliner was thrown away on this big mess of a movie. I almost didn't review this, not because it was so bad, It's science fiction, fantasy and horror, it's something that I've watched, so why wouldn't I review it? The reason I wasn't going to review it was none of those, it was that I'd forgotten about it. It was that memorable. The moment I'd finished watching it, I forgot about it, I forgot I'd seen a movie. How ridiculous. And that's the first of our moon theme movies today. Next. Moonfall yeah that is familiar and i have reviewed it before for distraction i rewatched moonfall which is a stupendously stupid film of which back in episode 439 from 2022 blimey two thousand two years already i said back then I love the nerdy conspiracy theorist protagonist played by John Bradley, Samuel Tarley in Game of Thrones. He reminds me of the similarly likeable nutty character Bernie from Godzilla vs. Kong. Second, the story is entertaining in its utter preposterousness. That was my quote back then, nothing's changed. The film is currently available on 4OD in the UK, so I watched it for the sheer distraction of it, and it did its job. It was a stupid, stupid film. It was far more entertaining than Rebel Moon. Yes, strangely enough, (laughs) Moonfall is better than Rebel Moon. It has no real right to be. That is it, really, for proper science fiction, fantasy, and horror stuff that I've been watching. On the geek side, though, I have rewatched some of Jonathan Creek. Jonathan Creek, who I've talked about often enough in this pod over the years, is a comedic detective series that were shown on BBC One from 1997 to 2016. Jonathan Creek was created by David Renwick, who was also behind the accident One Foot in the Grave, which I also talk about in this pod. Although neither of those things are science fiction, fantasy and horror, if you're a geek, you will like them. If you're a geek from another country, not the UK, and you haven't heard of these, give them a try. Yeah, Jonathan Creek and a sitcom called One Foot in the Grave. Although most people know about these two shows now. If by any chance you haven't heard of them, give them a try. Jonathan Creek usually consists of fiendishly puzzling mysteries. Well, at least they were the first time around when I watched them. Now I know what the solutions are generally. I'm just watching it for the sheer comfort foodness of it. The episodes occasionally resort to delightful pastiche. The episode titled the Omega Man could be an episode of The X Files, which started a few years before. And the episode House of Monkeys is Edgar Allan Poe's The Murders in the Who Morgue and Arthur Conan Doyle's The Creeping Man. Combined and given some comedy and the usual Jonathan Creek um, formula that we're going to get to in a second. The second is here. I've rewatched only Jonathan Creek series one to three, that's nineteen ninety seven to two thousand, because they are the episodes featuring the character Maddie, a crime writer. Without the actress who plays her, Carolyn Quinton, the show is good after two thousand but I feel it lacks the kick of their chemistry. The reason I'm saying that is Jonathan, our supposedly gentle, cerebral, magic, geeky trick designer, he's so adorable that he wears a duffel coat and lives in a windmill, no less, can also be cold and shallow. So Maddie's manipulative borderline sociopathic tendencies are a good match f- for example in the episode Black Canary one of the best ones it's a feature length episode starring Rick Mayle It's my favorite episode Maddie's sabotage through subterfuge and playing gooseberry of Jonathan's possible only chance at true love matches his own surprising lack of sympathy or empathy to an ex's suicide attempt yeah, she messes it up between the two of them, but he shrugs off the fact that she just tried to hang herself. So when you look into this, Jonathan Creek isn't one of those all sweetness and light shows. And then later on, when he has different companions in the adventures, they're all so good. But yeah, some of the spice is gone. I'm not going to talk about Jonathan Creek anymore, because there are other podcasts, one of which I have subscribed to, that do this much better than I do, but I just wanted to share what I was doing lately. And now we're going to saunter properly off-topic, and talk about other things that I've been doing. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was vinyl. No, not the dodgy clothing, but... (laughs) Records, albums, singles, that kind of thing. I am enjoying my Audio-Technica LP3 record player that I spoke about some time ago. We bought it for Christmas. I have since then bought a brush set to add to the soft paintbrush, makeup brush, microfiber cloth, and a gallon of deionized water. I bought all those things, as this is hopefully the least destructive way to clean the stylus, and the little stack of very cheap and very eclectic records I listen to through a single little jam audio tomato-shaped speaker. Yes, there is still some... Scope for improvement, like actual speakers. Uh, I'll get to that eventually. The deionized water is just to dampen the surface of the records if they are extremely dirty. Otherwise, i just use the other things to wipe dust off. Because as far as cleaning goes, some of the records, particularly for God knows what reason, West Side Story, and Hulse Planet Suite looked as though they had been used by a sneezing, shaky Tony Montana as a coke-sniffing surface. As for records, I said my stack of very cheap and very eclectic records. Let me tell you what I have. I think I might have mentioned this before, I'm not sure, but I'll go through them anyway. I've got West Side Story, the film soundtrack, just mentioned that. i also got The Pirates of Panzance, The Spinners, Volume 1, The Four and Only Seekers, Haydn Seekers. The Four and Only Seekers was the alternative title of the band, The Seekers. I have, again, aforementioned Halt's The Planets by the Los Angeles Philharmonic, the inimitable George Formby. Look, I'm a banjo so of course I've got that. (laughs) I've also got the My Fair Lady soundtrack, and Elvis Presley's Greatest Hits, which is a box set of multiple LPs. Yeah, (laughs) very Kemp, very musical theatre. I think someone must have taken a whole bunch of musicals to the charity shop, and I just happened to arrive at the right time, or no one else was interested. I think no one else was interested, so I picked these up. They're pretty good. I mean, the musical theatre stuff features the original artists. West Side Story had Natalie Wood, for example. The brilliant Natalie Wood who plays Maria? My knowledge of musical theatre is not great, but I'm pretty sure she plays Maria. And West Side Story, of course, is a musical modern take on Romeo and Juliet. That everyone in the entire universe already knows. Sorry about that. (laughs) I'll carry on now. There are also other records, somewhere. Most belong to my mother. They are currently, unfortunately, inaccessible. Again, they're just a load of oldies. But they're in storage, (laughs) we just can't get to them. The entire record collection, both the new ones and the ones that we can't get to cost about a quarter of the price of the budget automatic turntable, the 80LP3. It is a slight imbalance. <laughs> Maybe I should have looked for an even cheaper record player. Ah, records. You have the sounds, the touchable tactility, the aroma the threat of atomic, biological, or chemical contamination of these cheap old records, that can be a dubious but great experience. However, my real music collection consists largely of flax and CDs because, loudness wars aside, and there is a website where you can check for the cds with the best dynamic range and avoid the loudness wars altogether i should have put it in the show notes i didn't i'll mention that some other time anyway loudness wars aside cds high definition flat files ripped cds in other words knock vinyl right into a cocked hat for quality by a light year and i know this from having listened to a lot of old records. Vinyl trades quality for so-called warmth, which is actually crackles, although you've got dynamic range, but then again, the top and the bottom of the dynamic range is much less on vinyl. They can hold less information. I suppose the one good thing about vinyl records are... They're real archival storage longevity compared to cassette or CD. Cassettes tend to gunge up and get covered in mildew and then just snap. And CDs, for all their vaunted indestructibility, I remember when CDs came out. They made a big hoo-ha about how strong they were. They are not that strong and robust Compared to vinyl. I remember at the time, people stubbing cigarettes out on CDs and saying, look, they're absolutely fine. Look, I'm scratching the CD with a power drill. I'm blowing them up with dynamite. Okay, the last two people weren't doing that. But they were making all these claims for CDs that has turned out not to be true at all. They are fairly delicate. So if you have CDs, if you're on Windows... Get a copy of EAC, exact audio copy. I don't know what you do on a Mac. And rip them. There's also DB power amp that you can buy that also does a really good job. Rip your own CDs for posterity, just in case they get all bugged up. And anyway, nowadays, you've got a set of FLAC files on your phone. You can walk around, play them on anything. That is it for my (laughs) diatribe about the evils of vinyl. And vinyl, I was saying atomic, biological, chemical contamination. Well, you know, it's not people sneezing on them, but also chemical. I don't know about atomic. (laughs) I don't think you'll get radiation poisoning from vinyl, hopefully, unless you get a suspicious present from the Kremlin. Yeah, they apparently out-gas, or off-gas, I don't know what the term is, some kind of noxious chemicals. And I collect them as a side hobby. Oh dear. Let's move on to, well, still music, and talk about my music stand. That is the thing that I'm reading these show notes from right at this moment. I have been enjoying, with trepidation my incredibly tall German-made Witter music stand from Toman. It is a skinny thing. It cost, uh, I think it was about £23, but another £10 for delivery. It is about as robust as a newborn dragonfly. And what was disturbing is it came double-boxed, but the inner box wasn't packed. It just had a piece of packing material that wasn't protecting the inner box at all. Toman, you may want to look into that. As delicate it is, though, it is wonderful. It can go really high and really low, which means I can have music or show notes at exactly the right height, no matter how... I'm positioned, whether sitting or standing, or for other people, no matter how short or tall they are, they can find the right height for this music stand. After months of not playing my banjoleini precisely because I couldn't see the music without getting multiple bodily cricks, I have started again. On a side note, my caterwauling is horrendous, and I don't care either. I've been practicing a few different songs. I've got Down Below Me. I can't move my eyes too much, otherwise I'll move away from the capture area of the mic. Scarborough affair, And also the excellent Yo Ho Ho, A Pirate's Life For Me. <laughs> Which was the music made for The Pirates of the Caribbean Dark Ride at Disneyland, and that was written by George Burns and Javier Atencio. Sometime in history. Yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. Ah, I love that song. As for this music stand's lack of robustness, well, I don't have much choice, because there aren't that many, perhaps any, music stands this tall that also go that low so I'm being careful and making do although I've already had an accident I didn't tighten up one of the height adjustment screws and then pushed the whole thing down and scratched one of the collapsible shafts (laughs) I'm sorry I don't know why I'm being a child about on another side note this is something made in Germany, so this is a great example for me to complain about something that has bothered me for ages. It's that weird bias that everything in Germany is great, everything in the Far East is rubbish. No, that's not true. Not everything made in Germany is universally great. Let's take a different example than my music stand. I have bought a diplomat and a Kaweco sport fountain pen... Both of these pens are made in Germany, and unlike my beloved uh, German-made Lame's, they are a disappointment. The diplomat arrived with a cracked, leaky section, and the second came with a truly abysmal nib. What I'm trying to say is don't let the fact that something is made in the West fool you. There are as many hacks over here as there are in China. Bias shouldn't guide your purchases. I just wanted to get that off my chest, because if you go onto any music forum, particularly guitars and stuff, they're always moaning about Chinese-made stuff. And I've got a lot of it. Some of it needed some uh, fixing. Some of it was terrible. Some of it was okay. Okay compared to stuff made in the West, or for the West, or by Western companies, though in the East, it's not as simple as it all sounds, I don't think there's that much difference. Anyway, isn't there this amazingly custom guitar company based in India? Can't remember the name of them. Just bear that in mind when you're buying stuff, particularly if you're buying music stuff. Oh, I've got to stop for a moment. Traffic or train disturbance, or. I don't know. The evil emperor's created a portal in the sky, and his spaceships are coming through to invade our city. God knows why he'd want to do that. Alright, let us move on to the next topic. Let us talk some geek life singles club last night and that's part of the reason that i didn't take last night it's because i was so tired i did some non-online analog social mixing at a local singles club that i visited a couple of times before the pandemic and then there was a big gap and then i came back in fact it's been so long they decided to treat me as a new guest, and I didn't have to pay entrance. Getting to that place, although it's not that far away, was a sweaty nightmare in the rain and the dark, with Google Maps trying to force me to walk on major A roads instead of directing me along safe pedestrian byways, even though I selected by foot as my mode of transport. At one stage, I had to make my way down this very, very steep, high, wet embankment in my nicer clothes. So I eventually arrived rumpled, and since I'm out of touch with fashion, I've got to admit, I looked a bit like Hagrid in Harry Potter and the Goblets of Fire. Thanks, Google, you idiot. Thanks a bunch, Google, for being completely rubbish. Ugh. I did take a cab on the way back. <laughs> I wasn't going to go through that again. Why did I walk there? Well, it's only 20 minutes away, and there's always a the thought that if you don't take your car, although I couldn't, my car wasn't yet insured, but I'm jumping ahead, you can have a drink. When I got there, I didn't have a drink, but at least I had that option. Had I wanted to contend with... Hangovers I seem to get at my age. I seem to get more hangover than I do inebriation. So it takes more to get drunk. You're drunk for a shorter period. And then your hangovers are horrendous. So there's a bit of a disincentive to drink. Which may be good or bad, depending on how you look at it. But back to the event. It was friendly... I had an opportunity to talk to actual human people and even if I didn't talk, people did talk to me, so I could come out of my shovel a bit. I was also handed a newsletter of future events. Also when I had to take that cab back, the bar staff were really nice when they heard I was going to take a cab, apparently they're on speed dial to the cab firm that I was going to use anyway, so it didn't cost me any more. And I didn't even have to go out to wait for the cab. I could wait inside, and they said they would tell me when the cab was here. Little light flashes on their machine thingy. It all worked out. Whether this is a viable avenue for Finding One's paramour, I have no idea. But it gets me out of the Wizarding Tower, and that's what's important. And it also gives her Feigur Gestalt a break from my madness. Ah, dating. How often have we talked about that on this podcast so many times? Do you remember that time I had nine dating apps on the go and they were all completely useless? Ah. We'll see what happens. Let's move on from the singles club to car. We finally got one. Hurrah! We finally got a car. We have finally got wheels. The process of... Getting the car, though, was not the best, with our time wasted by talk of useless add-ons, which I specifically requested that they don't do, while not giving us useful information, such as the actual specifications of the second-hand car that we were buying. Yes, second-hand. We didn't buy a new car. We've never bought bought one new... Well, I would say we. My mum has had one new car. In the 90s, she had a base... Nissan Micra, the new shape, made up north in England. She loved that car, but she had to leave it behind in Mauritius. But the good thing is, it found a new owner, and it's still being used. So not scrapped. Not like the poor old Millennium Falcon. Back to those (laughs) specs that I didn't get, so I wasn't quite sure what kind of car I was getting. In the end, I had to go on Parkers to find them. It was... A complete faff, to say the least. And not only that, even buying the thing was a bit of a faff. The online paperless sales system that they have didn't work. Ah, and some of the paperwork didn't arrive with the car. What really bugged me about this whole process is that we bought from a major dealer. We did not buy from Arthur Daly. This was a great big dealership, multi-million pound concern, and I couldn't get this right. I'm not saying that people didn't try their best. The salesman did try his best to help us out. It was just chaos and mayhem, and we did a bad thing. When we went to this garage to see what they had for sale, what we usually do with expensive purchases is never do on-the-spot stuff. Take the number plate down, take some pictures, ask for some information, go home, think about it, come back. We did not do that. We started the ball rolling right there and then. We are lucky it didn't go even worse than it did. Because a lot of the research we did was after the fact. Ah. In fact, I still don't have some of the paperwork, but that's coming and I've managed to download... Uh, past MOTs as well, and we finally found the service history tucked into the glove compartment on some printouts. It shouldn't be like that. But back to the car, at least we have one. It was, predictably, like all cars are now, second-hand all new, far too expensive, and will cost far too much to insure. And insurance prices have also gone up this year, so guess how many fingers I'm holding up insurance companies. And when I went online to get quotes, if I was given the choice that if I had a black box installed to spy on my driving style, I would save a grand total of 20 quid. No thanks. However, all this moaning aside, if our old car was the battered Millennium Falcon, the new one is Darth Vader's experimental TIE Fighter. It is sleek and stupidly fast. I'm not going to say any more because I give away too much in this podcast. I don't want to tell you what car I'm driving and exactly where I live because it's a massive security lapse and I'm being a bit more careful nowadays. Be careful what you share on your podcast, on your YouTube channel, on social media. I think people are careful. I think I'm not careful. And I'm changing that. Oh, but tomorrow I still have to look forward to ensuring this. I've got a busy day tomorrow. Remember I was telling you about the National Health Dentist that I no longer have because they kicked me off their books National health patients don't make enough money. Well, anyway, I was doing something else the other day. I came across a dentist. I went in and asked and said, well, we've got a subsidiary office that's still taking patients. So tomorrow, along with everything else, I've got the dentist to look forward to. I mean, I'm glad that I found a dentist that will do national health service work for the time being. (laughs) The receptionist said, take it while you can, because it won't be long before there will be no NHS accessible dentist. Ah. No one looks forward to the dentist, least of all me. Uh, And you've heard me complain about going to the... I'm going into the spiral. I don't want to talk about it. Let's distract ourselves with the last item of the episode. I said that with a great big build-up. Should have been a drum roll as if it's something amazing, but it isn't. This is more meta than anything, so if you're a podcaster, maybe this will be of use. Podcast RSS feed diet. Again, I've tried to speed up my increasingly large RSS XML feed file. It is already slimmed down. I slimmed it down even further. What I did was tested removing... The GUID, Global Universal Identifier. I don't know what it means, but that gives you the gist of what it does. The GUID. I removed that item tag, and in fact the whole line, from each of the items in my podcast, items, episodes, because they are duplicated exactly in the enclosure tag. I'm getting needlessly technical, but usually the GUID is a link to the blog post that accompanies the podcast, but for obvious reasons of posterity, I don't want one link to the other. I want my podcast to be self-contained. You can see in the RSS file for each item an enclosure and a GUID, which is exactly the same. Obviously, that means duplication. So I decided to remove it. I think there was a reason that I had that there at some point. It was something to do with being able to click on a link on a browser that's capable of formatting an RSS file. That no longer matters. So that whole line is redundant, and removing stuff from a file makes it smaller. The way I did it was I removed the lines using the command g slash guid slash d in vim, a text editor. And we're not going to get into that because it will be far too complicated to talk about right now. The reason I use this uh, cult text editor that I've used for at least 20 years is that my usual text editor, Notepad 2, would leave behind a blank line. Yes, I could have gone through this thing manually, but instead I spent about 10 times the time it would have taken me to go through the file manually, trying to work out how to get the command right. I used to know all this stuff, but, you know, things pop in and out of your brain as you need them, and then when you don't need them, they float away. The other option was to use SED or AUK Unix tools that I'm familiar with, and because of the whole POSIX thing, they are generally available on other platforms. The reason I didn't use those is I haven't had time to investigate the BusyBox binary I use that seems to use some commands in non-standard ways. I don't know why that is. But anyway, it is done. As usual, because my feed was already fast, cast feed validator returned, your feed is fast. The difference is, though, when you compare file sizes, which is a much better indicator, before... The RSS feed was 351 kilobytes. After the deletions, it is now 291 kilobytes, which is great. That means I don't really have to worry too much for quite a while. I could probably get rid of a couple more K because there are a few comments that could do with shortening. If it's taken me about 11 years to get to this point where I've had 525 episodes, I'm guessing I'll be doing this, really, until I'm dead. (laughs) Let's say, I don't want to say when, but, you know, at least a thousand and more. More than that, probably. I shouldn't reach a megabyte in size for this RSS feed file. Sounds a lot, but there'll be a lot of shows in it. That's not too bad. I really hate how constrained we are, though, with RSS files. It's like we're being held hostage to them. And I know that other people who put lots and lots of show notes in their RSS feed are going to quickly run out of space. And then when that happens, that's probably the reason that blogging platforms like WordPress Only allow so many entries if you're using WordPress to podcast, and then those other episodes of your podcast don't appear in podcatchers, and you've got to make available to your listeners another way to get at them, which is another inconvenience. I don't have to worry about that. And if you're hand-coding your podcast RSS feed. I don't recommend it. It's a giant pain in the backside, but if you are doing that, think about making that feed as small as possible. Just a tip for podcasters. Something with absolutely no science fiction, fantasy, and horror content, or real geek content. I suppose tech nerd content, that's fair to say. Let's move on. Let's stop talking about technical stuff We're in the after show. There's only one thing that I wanted to talk about. I've asked this before. Are you enjoying my shows? I'm getting precious little reaction regarding my Hammer House of Horror revisit. I'm sure people are listening to it. I just don't know for a fact the actual people who are listening to it. If you're one of those people, get in touch. Let me know if you're enjoying it or... What can I do to improve it? The format is exactly the same for my classic Doctor Who revisits, which I actually do, so Whovians, please subscribe. And for that matter, all revisits here on out. Yeah, anything I revisit will be in that format. The reason I'm banging on about this is it is very different to the format that you heard tonight. This is the original format of my show. This is the Geek Zine format. It just has lots and lots of different items, reviews that are much shorter. In the other episodes, I only talk about one thing, and I talk about myself a lot less. Well, you get the personal view of what I think of something but there's a lot less geek life stuff in those. Oh, we have been talking for quite a while. My recorder says almost 57 minutes. Hopefully that will come down a bit in the editing process. But that is it for now. I'll make this short and sweet and say goodbye. You can find me at RoyMathur.com. R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. Please review, rate, support, and recommend the show to a friend or mortal enemy. I'll let that hang there for a moment. I'm looking very stern. The time at the end of the show is... Ah, here we go again. have to unlock my phone. 23.00. 5606. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!